Hello, and welcome to Folklore Press. I'm Charles. And I'm Elliot. And guys, after a long, long break uh, for Thanksgiving, we're finally back. And we're here to talk about hoops after a long time. Uh, Charles, uh, what's one thing you've been thankful for in the NBA season so far? Um, Sir Thompson. Even though the Pistons suck, I have a Sir Thompson on my team. He gives me all the happiness I miss out on. No, I definitely feel that for you. I mean, a Sir's been insane. Really, I mean, the Pistons have pieces, but a Sir's been that driving force that they've needed, and it's actually kind of a dark horse to win Rookie of the Year. Um, I would say I'm also thankful for a rookie from my team, Wemby. Although the Spurs have been a bottom team, uh, he's definitely been productive and he's gotten a bunch of points. And him and Chet are the front runners to win Rookie of the Year right now. And I mean, that's if that's something that I shouldn't be thankful for, you tell me what is. So well, I uh, guess every team should have something to be thankful for, except the Wizards, probably. They're, they have nothing no, to be 100%. thankful for. I'm not even thankful for the Wizards. I don't think the Wizards are thankful for the Wizards. But let's get started, actually, with some rookie talk. I know everybody's torn right now between Chet and Wemby and Asir because he's been so dominant. But um, I'm sure you and I have very different opinions on who's going to win Rookie of the Year. Charles, you kick us off with this. Look, I know you're... Obviously, a Spurs fan, Wemby fan. But I mean, I said this, what, a few weeks ago? I texted you and said, I've changed my opinion. I think the rookie of the year is Chet. And now it seems every news outlet, not saying that they're the most reliable, but just to say, have all agreed with me on the sense that He's not the consensus, number one, in every ranking, but he's just about there. I mean, this is a guy who, think about it, he may not be a real true rookie, but statistic-wise, which is all that matters for rookie of the year, he is. So, I, I don't know. I just think it's hard not to say he is. He's, he's been great. He has been absolutely great this season. His last four games, he's averaging about 26-9 and I think three blocks in the steal. This, there's just so much there to say he isn't the rookie of the year. Like, or let me rephrase that. He's put he's putting numbers on the table. They're making it hard not to say he's not the rookie of the year. Especially, especially considering the fact that I know his team is good. And sure, they have Shea. Sure, they have Jalen Williams. But without Chet, they do not win. You can look at his numbers when they win. You can look at the, his numbers when they lose. They are two completely different things. And there's a reason behind it. 
his usage rate is almost half of what Wemby's is, and he's putting up just as good as numbers, if not better. I mean, Wemby's going to have the better numbers, but Chess numbers are actually going to win him the games. So, for me, I just think, and I know how good of a defender Wemby is, but dare I say Chet's been better. He's been a per- better perimeter defender, and he really just, I know the Spurs' defense is terrible, but I said it last time, team defense counts, in my opinion, for where you rank rookies, or at least where you rank defensive player of the year stuff. So, since I value team defense, the Spurs' team defense is terrible. So, what I would say is my rookie of the year is Chet right now. And I don't think it's going to change unless I see otherwise. You have a great argument in everything you said about Chet. And in any other draft class, in any other year, I would say he's by far the front runner. Uh, the well, only issue is... Well, don't don't get that far ahead. Remember what we said about Scoot? I was right about Scoot, though. I'll, I'll, I'm going to proudly put that out here as I... Rudely interrupted you, my fault. No, it's all good. Miller over Scoot. Been saying that. And I'm glad that it's finally coming to tuition. So, well, yeah. to take a minor detour in the conversation, I did I say did, that, that the Hornets should draft the better player, which I thought Scoot would have been. But he's shown that he just can't shoot. And maybe there's too much pressure for a kid his age. Now, I don't know, maybe he just, he's starting to evolve. I mean, he, he shot pretty well, uh, what was it, Sunday night? He was he was doing pretty well, but, I mean, you were right, I'll have to say. Um, but let's talk about Wemby, and let's talk about um, just the difference between him and Chet. Here's my only thing. This is supposed to be an individual award, and when you talk about who's been the better player – it's Wimbenyama. And it when you this is it is. It is. It is. You, it you talk about I mean, listen, you talk about percentages and you talk about usage rates. And yes, Wemby's is stupid. putting up just as good as numbers. No, no, he's not. He hasn't though. He hasn't though. Because Wemby is averaging two point six blocks, one point three seals, and he's averaging nine point five boards on top of his nineteen point two, which is all, two two more points a game more than than Chet, but listen, we'll talk about Chet's percentages, and I think that's what's giving him the edge as far as the media and as far as all that. But you really got to think about what their teams are at, and I think that this is going to maybe maybe get Chet out of the game a little bit in a weird way, having a player like Shea Gilgis on his team, because I mean Shea's an MVP candidate. There's no denying that. He's leading the league in steals, and he's fourth in points per game. I mean, if Wemby had half the player that Shea is on his team who could maybe lead the team in points, probably lead the team in assists as well, he he would be the person that teams are guarding, and their best defenders are going to be on that guy, whether it's a point guard, whether it's somebody like Zach Levine or Austin Reeves or whoever, he would be the main guy that people are going to try and target and not Wemby. 
And that therefore, Wemby would get so many more open looks, so many more one-on-one matchups. Instead, he has to play the entire team's defense. And the fact that he could get 19 points per game and has gotten ga- has gotten highs like 38 points and eight blocks, six steals a game, I mean, that's insane. The fact that he could do all those things with the entire team just collapsing on him defensively, it just I, – I, there's no way I couldn't give it to Wemby. Now, as far as winning, yes, Chet has the advantage. And you talk about Chet winning games for them. Wemby won every game for the Spurs. It's not like Wemby's the issue. The issue is that their team has basically no point guard at all, let alone a point guard like Shea Gilgis, who can run the offense and who can take possessions out so that Chet can rest or Wemby can rest, rather, in this situation. And Chet has that advantage over Wemby because Chet can go sit in a corner for a possession or two, and he doesn't have to be involved in every single play. That's why his usage rate is way less than Wemby's. Wemby has to be the guy in every possession, both offensively and defensively, and the fact that he hasn't collapsed in a way that somebody like Scoot has. It's just it's mind-blowing to me that it's even a conversation. All right, look, here's the here's the thing for me. I again I say usage rate. Wemby is taking five more shots a game, has less percentage or worse percentage, and the thing is Chet's averaging just as good as numbers on five less shots. I think once you really kind of think about that, it puts I mean, I just think I just think that. What Chet is doing is Wemby is supposed to be doing great because he's on a team with nobody else. Chet is not supposed to be doing this on a team with with an MVP candidate, like you said. It's harder to score a lot of points when you're playing with other guys who score a lot of points. The only way, yeah, but again, he's great players though. find their way to score, and that's exactly what Chet's been doing. He has open looks. That's the thing, is that whenever teams have – they have to guard Shea and they have to guard Giddy and they have to guard Jalen Williams and they have to guard Lou Dort and they have to guard Chet. But you can't guard all five of those guys all the time. And that's the difference between what OKC is doing and what the Spurs – or rather the lack that the Spurs have been playing with is that – I mean, you have Vassell sometimes – and you have Kelton Johnson sometimes, but Sohan's not really doing much offensively for them. You know, Chetty Osman, as great as he is, and he's a bench player. Trey Jones, he's not doing much except maybe passing the ball to Wemby whenever he got open looks. And he's really their only guy. And so you look at their, their the team that the Spurs have right now, and you look at Wemby. I mean, Chet doesn't have to take five extra shots because that's what Shea Gilgis is doing. You know, Wemby has to take those shots. Whether he makes him or not, it doesn't even matter at this point because he's the guy who's getting the ball and scoring, and he's doing it, you know? And uh, with as far as pressure goes, yes, Wemby is pressured to do great. Wemby is pressured. He has all this pressure and all of this ex- expectation that Chet doesn't, and that allows Chet to play a little bit more free. That's why Chet's usage, usage rate, is so much lower than Wemby's is because Wemby has to do all this. 
And so whether, whether you agree that, oh, well, you know, Wemby has to do this or not, the fact that he's scoring more points than Chet is getting more boards than Chet and more blocks and steals. I mean, it just makes sense that he should be winning rookie of the year, at least up till this point. I think the thing with me is you said Chet gets open looks. He makes them though. And I'm not Wemby hits some, but I think I find at times Wemby just shoots to shoot. And you can say, well, he has no one else to pass to, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. He's still just shooting to shoot. It doesn't Chet has people to pass to though. See, that's the thing. You think that other great do you think that other rookies have Never had people to pass to. You, there's always well, LeBron someone, didn't. There's always someone open. Every at all times on the court, somebody is open. And yeah, that's why I think when Wemby is just shooting these long three pointers with 15 seconds left on the shot clock, and you can say, "Well, he doesn't trust his teammates." That's a bad thing if he doesn't trust his teammates, because then you have to think about it in a way that, well, if he doesn't trust his teammates, how is he a team player? You know, so I think every argument you can make, well, he has no one past you. There's always someone to pass to. Well, well, you look at you yeah. look at Wemby. I mean, just... his first few games in summer league and really in the NBA, he was passing like crazy. The only difference is that sure, but not unlike anymore. Chet, he's averaging well, two because he's averaging two assists. He's averaging two point six assists. Yes, because he was passing all the time, and his teammates weren't making their shots. So he's like, all right, I'll take care of it myself. And, you and he doesn't. He makes those. He makes those twenty-seven foot threes. He makes those thirty foot threes. Does he? He's shooting he twenty percent from three. He's he makes them though. He makes. He makes. He makes them. No, he makes. Don't make me research. Don't make me research. Hey, hey, it's not like he can't shoot. Okay, he is shooting, and all, whether the percentages are mind blowing or not. It doesn't matter. It's the point is he has to make those shots. He has to take them all the time because when he did pass to his teammates, they weren't making them. And Vassell also has been out for a while. And Vassell is their Shea Gilgis. You know, Shea wasn't out at all this season. He's been playing with Chet along alongside him this whole time. So of course Chet has had those opportunities the way even Wemby with without Vassell hasn't, you know. You know, you said it's not like he can't shoot. But it kind of is. I mean, he sure he can hit a mid range, but I feel like every time I'm watching, when he's shooting a three, it, you already know it's not going in. I think it's one of those things where he's just not gonna. If he does want to develop a shot, then he's never gonna develop strength because there's no in between. He either gets stronger and loses his three-point shot that he doesn't necessarily have anyways, or he just gets a better shooter but never becomes a big man in terms of playing in the post. I don't think there's... So you're saying saying in order to get better, he has to be more like David Robinson or like Kevin Durant. There's no... There's only one way to get better, and it's he has to choose between is he going to stay weak and just develop things that don't require strength or is he going to gain strength and lose, I guess, what's necessary to be good when you're a weak player. 
Well, the thing is, you see him on, move on the court, and he's mobile, and he is fast, and he's he's jumping, and he's doing things that really no NBA player can do. I mean, the fact that he could poster people outside of the restricted zone, that, that doesn't exist. You know, the fact that he can do all that stuff alone, I think, is just the biggest advantage for him. And whether he could develop a shot or not with strength, he definitely will get stronger as he progresses in the league. I mean, Kevin Durant did, you know, Kevin Durant did, LeBron did, like all these guys who were, I mean, skinny guys, they ended up bulking just a little bit at least. And Wemby will too. I think the biggest thing for Wemby, yeah, is his shot, but he needs, he needs guys around him and he doesn't really have anybody yet. Whether that hurts or helps his case to win rookie of the year, I think he definitely deserves it. Because he's averaging more points, averaging more blocks, averaging more steals, and definitely averaging more rebounds. It just makes sense to me. All right. I have these numbers here. And just just listen. On just on anything, on less than 10 feet, Wemby shooting 63%. So... That tells me he should stay in the in the painted area because while he's not backing anyone down, when he catches it in the post, he can just go up. That's what I like to see. But on any kind of pull-up, he is shooting 39%, which is decent. But on catch and shoot, or no, I'm sorry, he's shooting 33%. On catch and shoot, he's shooting 28 I think... There are just points where he does not need to be. That's the thing. On no dribbles this season, he's shooting 46%. And that's where most of his points come from. No dribble, no dribble, basically. Those are his post, his post points. But once he starts dribbling, that field goal percentage just goes further down. So I really like... I, I really like him in the post. I think that's where he needs to focus on, stay focused on. But I think it's about, is that what he wants to be focused on? Is that what he wants, to? how he wants to play? Because I think that's how he needs to play. No, I, I agree. I really do. And again, it's not like it's a lack of skill. It's not like it's a lack of – it just has to be what is he going to be moving forward? Is he going to be more of a strong post guy or is he going to shift a little bit more like Durant, who's over seven feet and – or Kevin Durant, seven feet, but who's that tall and can shoot over anybody? I mean, Wemby naturally has the skills to do that, but it's not consistent. He's got these phases where he's really, really good, really hot, and then he kind of cools off a little bit and he he make, he hits these shots or he shoots these shots that just, you know, they're bricks or they're air balls or he whiffs it. And that is the advantage that Chet has. I think that that's the only advantage that Chet has. Everything else that Wemby is doing, he's doing at a more elite level than Chet. Chet is shooting pretty well. I agree. He also has guys who can pass to him, who can give him these looks. And yes, he can create for himself. So can Wemby. Wemby has been doing that all season. 
whereas Chet has had many players. I mean, Jalen Williams is a facilitator. Kaysen Wallace is a facilitator. Josh Giddy is a point guard. Shea Gilgis is a shooting guard slash point guard. They can set him up, and they have been. And Wemby does not really have anybody besides maybe Trey Jones. I mean, that's really all he's got. And for what he's been doing, it's it whether it's a more efficient way to do it or not, he's getting more points and he's getting more shots and he's getting more looks and he's going to continue to be, have more points. He's going to continue to have more blocks and more rebounds. And I think that that's just going to give him the edge. All right. Well, I think with that, we can move on to the next topic. I definitely want to talk about Anthony Edwards. He's been insane. I mean, I want to get your thoughts on him because I, I we haven't really talked much about him yet. Anthony Edwards. Remember, I don't know when this was, maybe a few months ago. I told you, I remember telling you, I said, man, this guy, he's going to be a top 10 player in two years. And look at wow. look at that now. That was about yeah. as spot on as you could get. And I remember I told you everyone he would be better than. And who would be better than him? And so I think for me, what Ant is doing is just living up to what he should be doing. Sure, you can say, well, this, that, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's he shoot he's a shot chucker. You can say what you want, you know, say what you can say what you want, but the real, the true story is this kid is great. He has a great mentality. He, he's hungry. He is hungry to win. He is hungry to succeed. He is hungry to play basketball. When the ball is in his hands, he is not just excited, but he wants it. He, it's like something changes in him. When he's off the ball, he wants the ball. And when he gets the ball, he does something. I think that's the difference between him and a lot of other guys. You know, other guys, they'll, they'll get it, but they don't do anything with it. And that's the difference between Anthony Edwards and everyone else. He's probably the most pure bucket in the NBA right now, other than maybe Kevin Durant, for obvious reasons. But even then, what he is doing is just more impressive than what anyone else is, in my opinion. Nobody is doing anything near his level. And I think that's what strikes me about him, especially when you look at his team. The Minnesota Timberwolves were not expected to be good. And here they are, sitting atop. They're sitting, I think they are number two seed in the West right now. Number one is actually the Thunder, believe it or not. And so, they are playing right now, actually. They are. So, I mean, you look at all these factors. Anthony Edwards, not saying he is, but he may already be a top 15 player. I won't say top 10. I won't go that far yet. But he is 
at a minimum, a top 15 player in the NBA, in my opinion. In my eyes, when I watch him play, that's just how it looks to me. And sure, he may not he may not be the best player every game. There's some games where he's better than others. There's other games where he struggles. But that's just part of the game. I feel like every time I watch, he is the best perimeter defender on the court, and he's the best scorer on the court. And I just don't know who else you can say that about other than maybe two or three guys. No, Anthony Edwards, I mean, you were spot on when you said that he's hungry and he wants to play basketball. He's the guy. And, I mean, like, he single-handedly, like, just murders teams like the Celtics. The Celtics were the best team in the East, and he just took over the game. You know, he's beaten the 76ers. The last five games that they've played, they've won four times. He's winning at such an elite level, and he's playing at such an elite level. It's just, it's really hard not to call him a top 15 player, maybe even top 10 at this point. I mean, he's 11th in points per game, but he's tied for first in assists per game. Uh, He's just, he's doing things that really I haven't seen done since like, I mean, dare I say Pete Kobe, you know, like he just, he takes teams and he's just like, you know what? No, you're not, you're not going to do this. I'm going to score on you. You're not going to stop me. You're not going to score on me. And that game in Sacramento, uh, what was it? Friday? I mean, they lost, but he was going toe to toe with Darren Fox. Just shot after shot, block after block. He was doing it all. And although he hasn't been maybe a top 10, top 15 player yet, he's definitely getting there. And like you said, in the next two years, I'll, I'll give him another year to really evolve. But after three years, I mean, the league better watch out because he's going to be the next big thing. And what I was going to say is, Darren Fox, who is averaging over 30 points. He's, I think, sixth in points this year, but they would they don't or fifth, I think. But it doesn't count because he missed a few games. So it's not technically on the stat sheet, but it is. I mean Darren Fox has been great. The Kings have been pretty solid. And Anthony Edwards has been great. And the Timberwolves are great. Rudy Gobert. Great player. I think you can't discount him either. No, isn't think, he like second for blocks? Or like he's up there for blocks this year. Like he's he's back to his old defensive self. I feel bad that I didn't say he was going to be in the deep play race because I didn't think he was going to be that good. But Me this either. Year, Don't worry. He shed off that skin from last year and he's back to that Utah form. He it's is got to be number- Pat Bev. It's got to be the Pat Beverly effect. He is number one in deployed for me right now, and I don't think that's going to change all season. Hmm. Because what he's been doing this year, nobody has been able to do. Sure, he can't guard the perimeter, but nobody dares go in the paint with him. Nobody dare goes up on him. And when they do, he just sends it away. Nobody else can do that. His defensive presence is a one-of-one in the NBA. There's a reason he's won, what, three deploys? I mean... mean I don't want to he change the subject too much. He's a Hall of Famer in my books, and I'll tell you why. Ooh. He is one of the best perim- post defenders in NBA history. 
stats. Look at the stats. All I'm going to say about that. I don't want to change the subject up too much, but I could even see Wemby being a lot like him in the future. If Wemby can't evolve offensively, although he has been insane, if he can't evolve offensively, he definitely will defensively. And yeah, he has been he hasn't been doing too too great as far as like recent games defensively, but he's been I mean just as impactful and feared amongst shooters. The same way I saw Peak go bare like what four years back, five years back. I mean, it's the future's looking bright for uh French defenders, the stifle towers. Um, but let's talk about the Clippers uh, before we get into a little bit of the in-season tournament stuff, because you and I have uh, a couple of words for um, the Los Angeles Clippers organization. Uh, I, I want to get your takes first. on it. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. I want to hear I yours. Mean, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll gladly say. I want to I, I go off of you very happily. I... I am just so thankful to see the implosion of the Clippers. And I thought it was going to be Russell Westbrook joining the Clippers last year. Or was it this year? No, it was last year. It was last year, and I was like, no, he's going to kill this team. Kawhi and Paul George, as much as they don't play, they have something going. Westbrook didn't kill the team. In fact, I think he made it better. But, it, dude, it is this hardened trade that sucked the ever-loving life out of the Clippers organization. Paul George looks lifeless. Kawhi looks lifeless. I mean, Westbrook, he played with Paul George in OKC, and they did great. And he's playing with him now, and they were doing great. And then Harden comes into the game, and it just it, – it's dead. It is dead. And Nick Patum, as much as he wasn't that much of a factor – was well, he's a, not even a, on a better team factor. Well, he was a bigger factor than Harden is now. I mean, uh, at least a positive factor. And it just, I thought that this Clippers team, maybe they had a chance. Maybe they had a chance this year. I mean, Trey Mann, everybody's high on Trey Mann. And he could have been the next big thing. They could have done something with him. But just Harden and Westbrook, and Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, it was a recipe from, for disaster from the beginning of the signing of Kawhi and Paul George. And this is the last year of Kawhi's contract. This is the last year of Paul George's, and I think Harden's as well. Uh, what is the future? And Westbrook, what does the future look like for this Clippers organization? It's the end of an era, and what a grim era it was. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. I honestly, for me, I just don't see where it would ever have all worked out. There's just not, there was nothing there to begin with. It was like, it was just like kicking, kicking a lifeless body. Nothing is going to happen, nothing is going to change. It's just insult to injury. Clippers were struggling before. They're struggling now. And I mean, what did we say about them earlier? What was the term that we said? 
Something. Oh, the, uh, the the crumbling clippers. The crumbling clippers. That's what it was, and I. That's how I'm gonna explain it. I mean, I have one absolute reason why they have not been able to work together, and. First of all, shout out to Paul George. He's playing excellent. He, he him and Kawhi have played He's every game this year. Him and Kawhi have played every single game this year. I, I mean, that's it's about time. Know. That's how you know they are not the issue. So, you know, I'm not a huge James Harden fan. Yeah, I, I think, think I've come to the realism people. that I'll never have to interview him and he'll never be on the podcast. So I'm going to dig in on it. James Harden has never once been a winner. Get that in your head. In Houston, he lost. As much as I hate to say it, it happened. He lost. He couldn't win. You can say, well, it wasn't on him. It was. There's a game that they broke the all-time missed threes record. You think he wasn't the one taking about 15 of them? James Harden, MVP. Sure, you can win MVP, but that just makes you as good as Allen Iverson was. Allen Iverson never won. But he at least made a finals on his own. James Harden never could have made a finals on his own. He never did. He never will. And truth be told, James Harden, he's just, he's not what he was. He never will be what he was. He'll never get back to that point. And... There's only two reasons behind it. A, he aged. Once every, everyone, when they age, they begin to, you know, not show. When when you age, it's hard not to get worse. It's hard not to get worse. But they're easy, easily. The second reason is just his work ethic. James Harden's never had motivation since 2019 to get on a basketball court, get better, and say, you know what? I want to win. I'm hungry for it. The difference between James Harden every other superstar in the NBA today is that they all want to win, and he is just happy with being mediocre because that's what he is, mediocre. James Harden is averaging 14 and 6 this year. You know what that shows me? Mediocrity. James Harden has never been a winner, never will be a winner, as long as he is on any NBA organization. The Clippers could have been winners, but instead they added a locker room. I won't say I won't say it. I was going to say a locker room cancer, but I won't. Well, maybe I just did. Who knows? You definitely did. Here's what I'll say about Harden is that I look, I think age plays a huge part of it, like you said, but age tied with thinking you're still the best. And you know what? I, I mean I forgot to I forgot to mention that. Oh wow. His ego. I'm yeah, James his Harden ego. is an egotistical kind of controlling factor in the reason of teams' demise. Yes. And, like, that's just – it's just a bad toxic serum that you make 
whenever you add his ego to the fact that he's not 2019 Harden anymore. And you look at the greatest players of all time. You look at Hall of Famers. You look at all these guys. I mean, let's take Manu for an example. And I love having Manu for an example because he blocked James Harden in the playoffs to win a playoff game. It doesn't matter. Look, Manu was a freak of nature in the early 2000s. I mean, nobody remembers, but he could do anything on the basketball court, athletically, defensively, offensively, whatever. You name it, he could do it. And he got older. Nobody remembers how offensively gifted he was and athletically gifted he was, but people definitely remember how good of a passer he was later in his career. People definitely remember how smart he was, how he would set teammates up. And I genuinely thought Harden was going to be that guy in Philly. I mean, he led the league in assists last year, and I thought that that's the route that he was going to go. Instead, he comes to Los Angeles. He comes to the Clippers organization, and he thinks he's the system again. He thinks he's the entire offense. He thinks he's the entire whatever. It just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, like I thought he was moving in the transition of maybe a Vince Vince Carter role, who is maybe more of a role player later in his career, or Dwight Howard later in his career. He was the best player in the world for one season, and then he gets older, and he's not as athletically gifted, but he's definitely a good big man. He's a good role player. Uh, Lance Stevenson, I mean, the list goes on of older, of guys getting older and moving into a better, more veteran role, and he still thinks he's P. Carden. And it, it just, it kills the Clippers more and more every day because that's not what the direction they were going with at all. Yeah. James Harden says he's a system. He's not. He's the problem. And I quoted that Mavs guy who said that, and I proudly say it again, he's the harder. Harden is the problem. Not the beard, not the system the problem so ladies and gentlemen with that do what you want with it take it as you will but that's gonna do it peace see you